Tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, we put Carlton under the microscope, we talk the AFL administration, we talk all things father-son rule, and Chief gives us a running dialogue on his travels. All this and more, coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 12th edition of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Wookiee with me tonight is the A-Team, uh, as they've taken to calling themselves. And uh, in that A-Team, we've got Messenger. Hello. <laughs> Old Dark Navies is here again. I'm very good. Hashtag 13. <laughs> and uh, joining us again is the Prosecutor. Welcome all. And uh, uh, joining us once more is Jamie Johnston. Evening, clothes wearers. And not joining us is Chief, who is on a tour of some poor wildlife park somewhere. Oh, no, oh, oh. <laughs> down. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, it's been a big weekend in terms of uh, sport, perhaps less so if you're a North Melbourne supporter. But uh, your highlights. And uh, so we'll start, uh, oh, let's see, um, Messenger, what were your highlights from the weekend? Oh, I don't think you can go past uh, Gold Coast. Fantastic win on Saturday night. The the uh, Collingwood are starting to look uh, very shaky for top four, I think. But um, no, excellent sport. And Gary Ablett, well, words, words fail us, don't they? Words fail us. Uh, ODN, what were your highlights from the weekend? Oh, look, for the, for the benefit of Jamie, uh, I'll say the, the wicked bounce Boomer Harvey got inside the last minute of the match on a Friday night. Uh, and, of course, the, the stunning Suns win over the Pies, then heading off to KFC to pick up a Rioli pack, five chicken wings for $5, Ooh. certified by the AFL match review panel to be calorie-free. Get onto it. So, Nothing okay. to see here. Move along, oh, people. Dear, delivering the punches. Uh, prosecutor, what were your highlights from the weekend? Uh, I'll go with North Melbourne losing. Definitely highlight that. And on the contrary, uh, the low light was Carlton 1. So it really was a win-win or a lose-lose game, whatever way you want to look at it. <laughs> Fair enough. Amy, what were your highlights from the weekend? Uh, obviously, uh, Gold Coast getting over Collingwood, if only because now it makes it officially okay to lose to Gold Coast. Now that now the Collingwood have had it somehow happen to them. And, um, yeah, echoing messenger, Gary Ablett Jr., he's... How good, how good is he? How bloody good is he? He's very good indeed, I'm told. Um, so my highlight from the weekend uh, is, of course, Carlton winning, but uh, not just Carlton winning, um, and it is providential, perhaps, that... Uh, uh, it's a big word, mate. Yes, uh, that uh, Jamie is here with us since... Uh, <laughs> I have some comments here that he made regarding <laughs> last Fire week. away. And uh, I quote, I'll come next week if only to gloat over the Carlton lot about the inevitable and deeply frustrating caning we will give them on Friday night. Ooh. Now, it seems to me, and I'm mm-hmm. no big city lawyer, mm-hmm. but it seems to me <laughs> that uh, this never happened. And uh, this seemed to be some fever dream that the North Melbourne guys had. Admittedly, if they'd kicked straighter in the first quarter and if perhaps Boomer hadn't overrun the footy in the last 
we might be telling a different story and yeah, Jamie and might... I, I think moving away from the, the cheap sniping, um, you know, frankly pathetic given that you spent $50 million on Mick Malthouse and he hasn't really even delivered one-tenth of what you were hoping for. Um, it, it, it sums up our season in one moment. I've stood at Eddie Head and watched Boomer Harvey run on to dozens, probably hundreds of those balls and it bounces up every time and he slots the goal and... This year it didn't. Um, Matty Cruiser was fantastic. Gave Todd Goldstein a bath. I think we have to uh, rethink the get Todd Goldstein to ruck all game. So, you know, full credit to Carlton. They beat us by a point on the day. So, yep, here I am. Serve away. Happy to cop it. Um, we're going to be talking Carlton in, the, in uh, the first half. We'll also be talking about the father-son rule. And uh, so there's some interesting things coming out of that. And also... Uh, We'll be talking about the AFL administration a little bit later on. But first up, uh, we're going to talk to Prosecutor about uh, the Essendon Asada thing and just get some updates from him uh, as to how that's going. So, prosecutor, how is the how are the Essendon developments going this week? Uh, it's pretty much the same as every other week, isn't it? Uh, a bunch of opposition supporters get angry. Essendon supporters defend to the hilt, and no facts really in sight. But um, I think the latest article out by um, the Age investigative journalist said that uh, something about uh, Fimerson and Hexerellen on site. So, obviously, if that's true, then that's a concern. But apart from that, nothing else really to report. Same old, same old. We look forward to August in this report coming out. We can stop talking about it for a bit. You think you'll be in a better place when the report comes out? Are you shocked to be sitting here? Look, I'm sick of these half-truths, lies, and um, (laughs) constant innuendo. Um, hang on, hang on. Just let me just play his freaking press conference. Twitter and seeing Ian Hanks' latest uh, talking notes. There you go. Um, yep. So the club will be in a very good position, and we look forward to the truth coming out. There we well, go, boys. I, That's the report from Kirsty Ian Hank. Been fantastic about this week, and very, very interesting is that the uh, the the whispers round town are that there are competing parties within the AFL now leaking against each other. Um, the big boss and the the littler boss underneath him, so to speak, uh, are briefing different journalists to different ends. If you believe the tittle tattle that's going around, to the point where one of these parties may even have been uh, briefing Rebecca Wilson of the Daily Telegraph and noted not friend of the great game of Australian rules football. So, well, I, um, I think you'd know, Jamie, that um, what's her name, Gillian McLaughlin's been briefing at least one Wilson. I don't uh, know about I the Rebecca. But... A lot of Wilsons he's been briefing. Yes. But I, I know at least him and at least him and Caro have always had a cozy relationship. But um I think we have well, to be very careful here about what we say people have definitely been doing and what they haven't been doing and so on. But yeah, I mean I, I'm hearing similar things to you. I don't want to have to insert allegedly before um, every comment. As someone who knows <laughs> defamation law better than better than most people, allegedly doesn't get you off anything, so yeah. 
I just I would wonder whether Rebecca Wilson is actually a friend of the English language. Having read some of stuff. Yeah, if, if you ask rugby league people, she's not a friend of theirs. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Um, but, um, oh, sorry, go on, Prost. Um, oh, okay. Um, but I thought it was interesting to know from Rebecca Wilson's article, though, that there was no real deal coming out of it apart from agreeing on the terms of the investigation and what would happen pending results. There wasn't really, there was no deal for. Um, sanctions or you know infraction notices it was just if um the afl and asada agree that there's a cause there for no negligence then you know they'll both agree to go down that path and agree to it but there was nothing there that was saying we're going to get them off on this clause it was just agreeing what will happen in certain cases or certain outcomes of the investigation well both asada and the afl flatly denied this months ago anyway uh-huh. What I think is interesting is that it, it's difficult to tell whether the AFL uh, being good and got on the front foot and being responsible and proactive or whether the NRL are just so incompetent as to sort of... You, you imagine the entire organisation is actually composed of those blokes with no necks and sort of tattoos all over themselves that look like bouncers who've wandered onto a ground. Um, I mean, the NRL response has just been, frankly, astounding in its incompetence for, from what we've seen this week. Well, um, I think uh, a few posters have been saying that there's been preferential treatment for the AFL, but you know, I, I've got the same questions as you do, Jamie, that... Perhaps it's just the NRL just didn't get get off their ass and actually instigate talks with Asada straight away. And well, I mean, if this is the worst that's going to leak about you know any so-called arrangements and all that sort of stuff, it's pretty damn flimsy as it is. The arrangement itself is pretty pretty much you know you help us and uh, it may help you uh, mm-hmm. when it comes time to you know decide decide penalties. And that's pretty much what, strictly no in gar- the code anyway. There's no guarantees in it. It should be in the code if it's not already. There shouldn't need to be an agreement for that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, the NRL response is typically bloody-minded and uh, what you expect from them, and then they develop a persecution context, uh, complex whenever the AFL's involved. So, yeah. I think, I think what's also interesting now is that we're, we're at a point where, you know, the, the Asada AFL report is in Canberra, yeah. up at the binders. You know, there, there's no more facts to be gathered for that. Uh, and there does seem to be a mentality afoot amongst people that, well, we're reaching the end of the investigation and that, you know, Demetriou and McLaughlin and, you know, what's-her-face from Asada are going to front a press conference and hand out the whack or not hand out the whack or, you know, whatever may be. But uh, I think people are absolutely kidding themselves if they think it's going to end here. Obviously, Demetriou oh, and the AFL would like it to end here and I think they're doing as much as possible to try and get the public perception across that it will end here but the idea that the Australian Crime Commission will spend two years investigating something, discover very, very clear links between serious organised criminals and the importation and distribution of substances that, be they legal, be they grey, be they black market, are are fetching quite... uh, quite a little owner, they're going to find all this out and go, oh, well, that's nice to know, you know, close the file, we'll toddle off then and get on with something else. I, I just, I don't buy that for one second. I think there's a hell of a long way to go yet in this. I think well, you would agree, Jamie, that um, it's not just acid and that's a central uh, issue here. It's the, um, I think you've been posting about it too, um, how, you know, you've got bikey gangs and you've got... Um, these little rings going on outside of the uh, Essendon Football Club that's the real focus point of this 
A double C investigation rather than you know like the Essendon football. Oh, the A double C doesn't give um, two hoots about Essendon. You know, it could have been any other club who'd involved themselves around. You know, through poor governance, and I'm making quotation marks in the air as I say that. Uh, it could have been any club. You know, I don't think they've they've gone after Essendon. But um, yeah, as you say, there 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 are really really big issues at play. But what the AFL wants is just a tire tie a knot on it here that says we've done what we can and I think that is why James Hurd is in serious trouble. If if James Hurd doesn't get at least a 12 month suspension, I'll be hugely surprised. footy podcast and we're going to do what we love doing better than almost anything in the world we're going to talk about the Carlton Football Club that paragon of virtue that that bastion of high achievement I knew this and was a mistake <laughs> Jamie you're a, you're, a, you're a famed lover of, the, of all things navy blue perhaps you'd like to kick off by asking these two learned gentlemen some very serious and pointed questions about their team um, I'd, I'd be interested in, in all seriousness. Um, we keep hearing Mick say that you know there's going to be a, a clear out at the end of the year. That you know there, there's blokes on the list who won't be there at the end of the year and so on. Could you let us know uh, who who do you think is definitely gone and how big a clear out do you think it's going to be? And, and following on from that, I mean, is Mick planning a, a total rebuild or is this a sort of a, a top up clear out? If you know what I mean. Oh, gee. <laughs> that's you want, three questions, you know. Yeah. yeah, you want you want some names. I mean, look, we Ratton um, signed uh, a few players to two-year contracts and they were probably done within the one. So we, um, we were very limited when Malthouse came in as far as what we could do uh, in regards to uh, trading and whatnot. So um, that, that, that clean-out was always on the cards before Mickey mm-hmm. had set foot in the place. But the, the likes of um, uh, sort of Marcus Davies, um, you know, potentially uh, David Allard, although he has had some injuries, Aaron Joseph, uh, he, he's unlikely to be at the Blues next year. Okay. Andy, uh, Andy Collins, um, I don't think he'll be there Andy either. Collins, he, he, he's gone. Yeah, feel, feel, free to, uh, feel free to keep throwing names out there. But... Um, um, uh, Robert Warnock. Robbie Warnock. Yeah, the Mortal Botherer. <laughs> we'll lose. Yeah, we'll lose. We'll, we'll definitely lose one of our ruckmen. Um, there's a couple of players, other talls that sort of haven't come on as much. I'm not sure whether we'll, you know, whether we'll keep Mitchell and McCarthy. You know, I'd say, I'd say we, we, we'll probably we're looking at it. Oh, and of, of course, you, you've got people that have fallen out of favour dramatically, like Nick Dygan, mm. uh, who's who made the leadership group uh, at the start of the year, and uh, I think he's played one game and he was dumped, never to be seen again into the VFL. Can I ask uh, what is the what, what has Nick Dygan done wrong? What has he actually done wrong? 
Do you know oh, what an I... upper decker is? <laughs> I, 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 think, I think the perception is he was more... Well, Mick had a Barbie, right? <laughs> uh, is, is that... Is, that, is, I, is I, he being rude? That, 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 that's in a similar vein to a uh, to a reverse kangaroo, isn't it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Surprise for the morning for Mickey. <laughs> I, I think the perception uh, with Geigen is that he wasn't hard enough earlier in the year, and that he uh, might be um he, his time might have passed him. He might have been a good first second year player. Yeah, and, yeah um, Bryce Gibbs lives on. Well, yeah, Bryce Gibbs is a hell of a lot better than Nick Geigen. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, Bryce Gibbs has more skill. Admittedly, yeah. if he's not hard enough at the ball, he's got more skill to cover that for the most part. And Maltes has been pretty definite on Gibbs not being traded. So, yeah, what, about, um, what about a bloke by the name of Chris Yaron? Where does he sit in the scheme of things these days? Oh, gee, I mean, he's uh, you know, he, he, he has no consistency. Um, um, he picks and chooses when he's going to go. Um, so he apparently had a bit of a petulant uh, episode this year where he was made sub, didn't like it, so he didn't perform, and that possibly cost us the game. Uh, he was done for the VFL. God bless him. Yeah, so, yeah. I appreciated it. Of all times. But, uh, but um, and then when he, he was done for the VFL and then he came back, he was made sub just just to, so Mick could lay down the law. And there's all sorts of rumours about Yaron and him possibly uh, heading back to Perth. So... Is it sort uh, of know, a sort of a Harry O Buck situation, is it? Um, there was one rumor that uh, something very similar took place. Um, Yaron's not depressed, as far as I know, but but um, uh, yeah, no, something something possibly did take place verbally between the two, but uh, I can't confirm that. Can I just talk about the general setup and and a learned Hawthorne colleague of mine described your forward line once as a small, sexy, magical joke in that there's, <laughs> that there's a lot of skill and a lot of fluff and a lot of puffery, but it, it's not a forward line that beats really good teams. And and really, and when we saw White injured in a, the game the other week, I can't remember if it might have been the Collingwood game, it, it fell away. Things fell away dramatically. You clearly need another target in addition to White. Do you think you can find that from in, from where from the guys you have internally, or do you need to go for the big recruit or go for the high draft pick? Well, Josh I, Kennedy, he solves all their problems. Bloke from West Coast, mm. oh, have a crack at him. He looked fantastic <laughs> in a glue jumper. I mean, he, he probably might have solved problems for North on Friday night too. Um, well, about tall forwards were all right. No. It's just they're kicking. Anyway, we're, we're not here. <laughs> yeah, no, look, all, all, thing, all, all that aside, uh, I think we're a tall forward short. Uh, Henderson will fill the gap for <laughs> Waite. I think the mistake we've made is relying on Waite to be our key forward and not really having any backup. Um, I think Henderson going forward is, uh, is going to solve that a little bit if Watson comes along in defence. If Watson doesn't keep coming along, uh, Henderson's going to have to go back again and that leads us back to where we started. Rowe... Takes um takes some of the pressure off, but he's not a he's not a focal target. But really, I mean, just replacing weight with Henderson is is more sideways, isn't it? You want weight and Henderson ultimately, don't you? Oh, ultimately, yes. But I think to keep weight on the park, he has to not be a focal target. Yes. So, so he, he's um, got to be a bonus, not the not the key. We won't be relying on weight. We should. All right. Be so, having said all that, come uh, October and during uh, trade week. Would Carlton be looking for a key position defender or forward? Either or. 
Yeah, look, because Henderson's such a good swing man and he's he's good in either position, we can do either one and uh, and mix it up a little bit. I, I um, would strongly suggest that we'll be trading, well, one or both of those ruckmen in the reserves will be traded. Yeah, but you're not going to get much, so are you? Well, two experienced ruckmen, particularly, I mean, Warnock for all of his faults is a damn good tap ruckman. It just depends how many other ruckmen are on offer at the end of the year, and from all reports, there's going to be a couple being shopped around. Yeah. And um, the other thing with Warnock too is you can always get back to your car safely at night. Well, that's right. <laughs> he can, you know, he can he can reach tall shelves and stuff. So, you know, he can change light bulbs without a stepladder. You know, he's, he's exactly right. He has yes. his uses around the house. Oh, but, I'm interested in your your rebuilding after you were caught savagely cheating and suitably punished. Mm-hmm. Um, you had three number one draft picks in a row, if I recall, and that was um, in in order. Maybe Gibbs, Murphy, uh, Cruiser. Murphy now, Gibbs. you know, hey, yeah, so Gibbs, Murphy, Murphy Cruiser. Uh, Murphy Gibbs, sorry. Um, I'm not I'm not potting any of those blokes. I think they they they'd all get a game at any of our clubs. Um, you know, they're they're all good footballers, but. If you then compare to, say, a, another consecutive period of number one draft picks, and I'm furiously checking the internet, and I have a correct here, if you'd gone back 10 years, you could have had Rewalt Hodge Goddard. You know, I mean, did did you get unlucky with a couple of crappy draft years? Because you, you would take Rewalt Hodge Goddard over Murphy Gibbs Cruiser. All right, Rewalt was um, a... Do, do you see where I'm going with this? Do you yeah. think you got unlucky or you drafted wrong? Or how did it work out? Rewalt was the wrong draft to start with. He was 2000. Yeah, um, yeah that's what I'm saying. That, like, no, there was a well, period of three at, years. At, you guys had a period of three years. Yeah, yeah well, but... just a probably wrong example. I mean, Goddard, Goddard took a long time to come on. He, yeah, wasn't, he wasn't anywhere near a number one draft pick for, for until he was, you know, reached his mid twenties. So these guys have got time. Um, I, I think there's a combination of things. Look, I, I think we went for insurance, so we just wanted a guarantee that the players we chose mm-hmm. were going to be 200 game players, rather yep. than looking for X factor um, and um, particular particular strengths. We just were looking for all round players, and I think we've got that. And we do have three 200 game players there, no doubt. Yep, no doubt. Uh, um, I think there's probably uh, we've been such a weak team. Um, I think Gibbs has been uh, played all over the shop. His utility value has hurt him uh, because he's been used to plug gaps. Having said that, I, I, he doesn't necessarily give up, give the impression to me that he wants it enough. Uh, I, 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 he does have a laconic style, um, so it's very hard to it's very hard to know if he's putting in 100% at all times. But um, um, he. He's probably the one of the three that has the most improvement uh, to in him to lift his game to an elite level. But whether he can do it or not, I'm not sure. But you know, Cruiser. You, you, I mean, not too many people spend uh, not too many teams spend number one draft pick on a ruckman, and so of course he gets compared to Josh Fraser, which is a bit uh, is a bit unfair. Cruiser is he's a bit of a machine. He's he's, he's 100 percent intensity. Um, I just feel it's going to click for him if he stays on the park because he's had a, he's had yeah. a few injuries. How bad was the knee for him? Do you think? Because he's one of those big fellas. He's very heavy set, and I actually saw him play his first game in the twos um, when he was coming back from that knee down at Werribee. Went down to see Magic play, and just the the sheer talent of Cruiser was immediately apparent. And he was playing at half clip. But how much do you think the knee injury has set him back and might hold him back over the career? 
Uh, I, I mean, it set him back. It set him back a good year after he came back. I mean, that's what they say. Usually, two, a one-year mm-hmm. injury, usually a two-year. But for a really big bloke in. like him as well. Yeah, look, he he, um, he had a lot of. Um, he came back with a, a, a lot of extra weight on. Um, he, he sort of just can't decide. Can't seem to decide what his ideal playing weight's going to be. You know, as far as you know, how it affects his mobility. Um, but he also hasn't been number one ruck most of the time. So. Um, I, I, I don't know. He just seems. He, I don't know if you guys have been watching him lately, but he just seems to have got it, got it right. Um, and mm-hmm. he, he's been in our best of late, and uh, he seems to relish being in the being in the middle as much as possible. And that's his best position. And I, I really hope we don't try to throw him up forward anymore. I think that's been his problem. They've been they haven't been able to work out where he's going to play and. He was either injured like he was for parts of last year and then he came back and he was going to be a forward, he was going to be a, you know... And now that they're playing him in the ruck all the time, every game, he's only going to get better. Yeah, surely he would be... I mean, you could argue with the current way the interchange works now that the the days of having two ruckmen, like, say, like Warnick and and Hampson, um, is over. And so you'd have maybe one of those and Cruiser, but you need to be able to sing for your supper. So those guys have got to be worth their while forward. Surely Cruiser needs to be able to have that boat, that that um, ability to play forward to make it worth to make it worth the, uh, everybody's while. But he does have the ability to play forward. What we're saying is we don't want him focused to be playing forward like he was. No, uh, no more towards than, no, the end of last yeah. year. Yeah, no, no more than quarter quarter of a, quarter of a game as a as a. You know, resting ruck, or you know, it depends. It depends on who the second ruckman is. You know, if the if the second ruckman is Hampson or, or Warnock, well, Warnock can't play forward. Hampson and Cruiser can fairly well share, you know, share their time between the forward line, the ruck, and the and the bench. But um, yeah. Well, where um, do you? Th- oh, sorry. No, you're right. You're where, where do you think your your biggest gap is? And I'll obviously I'll use North for the example because I know my own team. You know. We we need more class, more pace, an outside runner. And if I could take anyone in the league, I'd take Harley Bennell. You know, where, where do you think your biggest gap is? And if you could have someone, who, who's the kind of player who'd fill it? Oh, look, I, I, I mean, we probably all have different opinions because, you know, we, we, uh-huh. we're a very confusing side. But um, I, I see a, a skilled inside mid as a must. We have inside mids, but they're not, they're generally, they're, they don't have great kicking skills. Um, and um, we we sort of need to uh, we need we need to toughen up a little bit inside, and um, I don't see uh, Judd Judd was in that role, um, and we're we're trying to get him out of it, but I, I don't see you know the likes of Kerno or Acacia or McLean McLean's not an inside mid as such; he's sort of a little bit in between. Um, so you, I, I would love to get somebody who was. I'd love to get a Luke Hodge type, you know, for example. Do you do you think you've got that midfield mix? Kasia and 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 Kerno seem to be playing really quite negative roles. Have you got the mix right, or do you think there's a bit too much focus on the opposition and not enough on moving the ball and getting the ball yourself? Uh, yeah, we um, Kasia, Kasia, Kerno, Armfield, all playing negative negative roles in there. Um, so we, we every week we we lament the fact that we're going too negatives and we, we, we're tagging too many of the opposition players and not doing enough of enough um, setting the tone ourselves, I guess. Um, 
But having said that, uh, Acacia and Kurnow have been a bit of a revelation of late. They've, they've been in, um, some of our couple of our best players. So I see Acacia as somebody who can get the ball, and um, I, you know, I think he will. Um, uh, he has he has potential um, to be a bit of an accumulator. Uh, you know, being able to switch between a, a hard tagger and an accumulator like uh, like Carazzo has done in the past. Are, are you a good enough kicking team? No, no, no. Our, 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 um, our disposal efficiency is um, fairly low as far as the rest of the league goes, and um, uh, we, we're especially abysmal when it comes to delivering inside fifty. Yeah. You know, we, we, we it's funny because in, in the past we've had our players like um, Ryan Houlihan and Nick Stevens who probably went missing more than we would like, and you know weren't weren't as hard as we would have liked, and um, but they were sublime when it came to delivering into uh, you know uh, admittedly a good forward like Brendan Favola, but we haven't had anybody that can you know Gibbs is probably the best chance we have, but we need to get him sort of make more forward of the off centre be able to take advantage of his, of his kicking skills. Um, boys, you've had a poor year as, uh, as such and all that sort of stuff, and there's been talk about having to rebuild again or at least having that little mini rebuild with Nick Malthouse. Um, I'm just reading an article now. It's got Chris Judd's 30 in September, Jared Rates 30, Carazzo's 30 in December, Simpson's 29, Jamison 27, and Walker 27. Uh, who's the next generation at Carlton that we could be looking forward to in the next couple of years to really step up and um, take over from those players? Mm, um, I can name a couple of, couple of names of players coming through, but I don't think we have anybody to cover all of those positions just yet. Uh, we certainly do have to start start looking at drafting for need and instead of just drafting the best available according to a list, um, which is what we traditionally do. Um, you know the likes of um, uh, of Graham, Kasia, McInnes, Menzel. Uh, they're the, probably the four names that stand out to me as being the next next generation, really stepping up and uh, and and taking over from those guys. No, Nick Graham. But oh yeah, I said Graham. Yeah. yeah oh, no. sorry. I was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, Graham. Uh, oh, we're dying to get him in the side. You know, every week when the um, when the team comes out and he's not in there. Um, you know, we get a few people having mini hissy fits about it because we're just so desperate to see him because he's absolutely tearing it up in the VFL. And, and on that note, I think we need to wrap up the Carlton talk. Um, let's just, uh, when you're walking down the street at night, just look up and, and thank Robbie Warnock for, for all, all he's done for you. <laughs> All right, rookie idiot, and now we move on. You're hey, at least our, at funny least our press conferences are more interesting these days. <laughs> <laughs> what else have we got on the agenda? I right. gotta go to bed. I'm tired. Really, keep making me work too much. <laughs> it's pathetic. I know you've got that on tape now. Yeah, it pretty that, much is. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. that'll make the, a day off in three weeks. That'll make the podcast. It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old but I'm happy was once like you are now and I know that it's not easy to become 
when you found something going on. But take your time, think a lot. Why think of everything you've got? For you will still be here tomorrow, but your dreams may not. All right, guys, so we're going to talk about the uh, the father-son rule tonight. And uh, we're going to start... We're not going to go way back to the mists of time because uh, those records are a lot harder to get than you'd think. But uh, we are going to go back to 1988 uh, for this. And there have been uh, 72... Sorry, can I just ask for a cross? Where were you in 1988? Uh, I think my dad scrotum. him. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Mickey, carry on. Okay. <laughs> and how old were you Bowie. then? Ever so classy. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm just going to say allegedly into a recording after this and just insert it through everything. It's going to be awesome. That's how we got out of the scrotum. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, All right, so there have been 72 father-son picks since uh, 1988. Geelong had 70 of them, yeah. Well, it seems like it, but uh, no, they didn't. They only had eleven of them, which is the equal most. <laughs> the equal most with Collingwood. Um, so, oh wow, uh, yeah, wow. Now, really? yes, Collingwood ever had a good one? Yeah, Travis, well, Travis Cloak, Cloak, Travis he's, Cloak. Yeah, he's sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's sure. Yeah, um, he's yeah, sure. all right, I stand correctly. You stand correctly. Well, not, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, not, not, that's not the way you use that word, <laughs> journalist. <laughs> <laughs> on... <laughs> it is it is after after work functions. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, the uh... sorry, swallowing something. Interestingly enough, the uh, it wasn't part like you could actually pull your father's son pick without being in the draft itself, without being in the national draft mm-hmm. until 1997. Um, it was separate. Um, the last person to be drafted outside of the actual draft itself was Lance Whitnell. Mm-hmm. who was the son of uh, Graham Whitnell and uh, was a Rising Star nominee. Now, there have been 72 uh, draft picks, as I said. On average, they play 67 games uh, each, um, which is exact, almost exactly half of what their fathers played. Their fathers played, on average, 129 games each. Well, that's sort of that's a bit thrown out by the fact that to be a father-son pick in recent times, you have to have played a hundred games. So it's a statistical anomaly. Yes, it is, but nevertheless, nevertheless, anyway, um, they uh, father-son. Uh, well, the sons have played in uh, twenty-two premierships, uh, which is split between fourteen players. Uh, they've won three Brownlows between three players, one Coleman Medal, which is Jonathan Brown. Uh, no Norm Smith medals have been won by father-son draft pick. And uh, one rising star with 13 other nominations. And 25 club best and fairest between 14 players and 35 All-Australians between 14 players. Now, of those, uh, of those All-Australians, it's worth noting that six of them belong to Gary Ablett. Six, mm-hmm. of, them, six of them belong to Matthew Scarlett. And there's another one here with also six, which is Ben Cousins. So... There you go. <laughs> that's that's the basic stats. North Melbourne. So about... Ben Cousins was a father son pick for West Ben Coast. Cousins could also have gone to Geelong, father son, right. I believe. He was yeah. taken. His father was Brian Cousins, who played two hundred thirty eight uh-huh. games with Perth. Ah, so... uh, of course. Sorry, but also strong. played the requisite fifty something because back when Cousy was 
out and about doing that kind of thing, so to speak. Um, you only had to have played 50, I believe, yes. to be a father-son. Yeah. And, uh, and God knows Geelong needs all the father-sons they can get. Oh, no, well, imagine them with yeah. Puzzy. Geez. Geelong's also the only club to draft a father-son pick under the father-son rule that didn't play the game. He was an administrator. Oh, ah, yes. Uh, and that point. was Simon Fletcher who also played for Carlton, uh, was the son of Gary Fletcher, who was an administrator for Geelong. And he administered so, 300 games, did he? Or how I, did he get it? I'm not entirely sure what the rules for administration are. It might be 10 years or something. Hmm. But uh, I'm sure there's a period of time. Now, what, what's always intrigued me about this, and I, I, but before, actually, before I get onto that, it's an average of three father-son picks per year. Not every year has had a father-son draft pick. Uh, 2009 didn't have one. Uh, and uh, 1990, 1991 didn't have them. The biggest year for father-son draft picks was 1992, where they took seven. Wow. Uh, and uh, 1988, they took six, along with 2003. So the longest-lasting uh, father-son draft pick is uh, Dustin Fletcher, followed by Jonathan Brown and Reece Shaw. So. And the interesting thing about Jonathan Brown is his dad only, I think he just made, I think he only played 50 or 51 or two games for Fitzroy. Mm. Like he just made the mark, whereas, I mean, Ken Fletcher played 7,000 games for us. I mean, it was always on the cards, but... Well, 200, yeah, Dustin calls him rookie. Yeah. <laughs> two, 265 games, his father. He's actually played more games than his father did. One of the few players that uh, actually has done so under the father-son rule. It was interesting, and we talk about father sons. That the, the latest father son to debut was um, Chris Langford's boy, mm, uh, who debuted Will, or who debuted on on Saturday, and he actually was not recruited by the father son rule. That's right; he's mm -hmm. not in my list for father son either. He was recruited through the New South Wales Scholarship Program. Yep, and that doesn't surprise me either. Um, quite a few players, and you'd be surprised, don't don't actually play any games at all under the father son rule. So. Uh, they get drafted and then are found to be lacking in talent, as it were. Um, the first successful father-son draft pick was Ashley McIntosh, who played a, mm -hmm. whose dad played 146 games for Claremont um, back when it was only a 100-game requirement for the Waffle. Always fascinated me that the Waffle and Sample had two different requirements. Mm -hmm. This um, is the point I was going to make about father-son. Is there has there ever been a rule that's changed more than the father-son, the requirements to qualify for it, and then the pick you have to spend to get them and blah, blah, the blah. The bidding process. Oh, God. Think about it's... the games qualification. I'm thinking back to when Bryce Gibbs, when Adelaide were trying to claim Bryce Gibbs, and didn't his dad have to play like 300 sample games or something to be? I think it was 250 sample games he had to play. And, and his dad uh, was about 10 games short. Yeah. And yeah. so he had... Oh, geez, they sucked about that. Yeah. And they did, oh, they and did. they still do. And fair play to them, you know. that's a They got the rough end of the pineapple there. We're, and we're... they're very good at tears in Adelaide, too. Oh, aren't they? Oh, oh they're terrific. Adelaide. And serial killing. Don't, don't, don't get me started. Oh, and thanks. Um, and I'll tell you what, they love Michelangelo Rucci. And they love... <laughs> it's inter <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, only two players, I believe, have been drafted in South Australia under the father-son rule. Uh, Brett Ebert in 2002, the son of Russell Ebert, um, who was an absolute legend of the game, regardless yep. of where you come from. Um, and also... No, I just think actually it's just Brett Ebert. So there you go. Uh, from Western Australia, obviously Ashley McIntosh, Ben Cousins, uh, da, 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 Mitch Morton, Brett Peake, 
who was drafted by Fremantle, the son of Brian Peake. Mitch Morton, the son of Noel Morton, who played 171 games for Claremont. And that's it from uh, WA. Sydney have got a belter, little Tommy Mitchell. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if his dad had played a few more games for Carlton, mm-hmm. um, we'd, we'd have been most impressed. I can't mm-hmm. say Hawthorne's done that well out of the father-son rule, oh, apart you. from the Kennedys. Um, Adelaide. Of Sydney. <laughs> Sorry, the Adelaide Luke, Football Club. The Adelaide Luke Football Darcy, Club. Luke Darcy's on that list too. Uh, he he was uh, mother-son rule for the uh, Queensland Firebirds. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the son of... Uh, Finish the podcast. It's over now. <laughs> also the son of David Darcy, who played uh, 133 games, and uh, Darcy played 226. So that's, that's not a bad effort. Matthew Richardson was the son of Alan Richardson. Bull. Uh, uh, so <laughs> what was his nickname? Bull Richardson. I'm not calling your facts into question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Matthew Scarlett was father-son. So there have been uh, Ablett, obviously. Uh, Who was his dad? <laughs> Just, uh, let's we go. know who his mum was, anyway. Ask around the Corio Hotel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. if, if, if North or Hawthorne had, uh, had any father-son... North have only had one of? father-son pick in the entire uh, 25 years or whatever that it's been running for. Jesse Smith. And yes, it was Jesse Smith. Oh, they all—they did have some some something similar, nepotism with Ryan Pagan, didn't they? <laughs> well, they but, never but... Wanted, Pagan, but Pagan Perret never wanted to uh, play him or draft him, but um, there you go. Jesse Smith, but... I'm obliged to say it. Uh, great tragedy. We should never happen. Stupid preseason game against Melbourne. Would have been as good as anyone in the league. Top 10 player, blah, blah, blah. Let's move on. Hope it doesn't happen to Luke McDonald. I mean, uh, that's my piece. for Carl, all... we failed on David Walls, uh, who uh, was pretty crap, really, in the end. Played no games for Carlton. <laughs> Oh, there was some Richmond bloke who was the son of one of their... Per- David oh, Burke. Burke. David, David Burke. Burke. Oh, he came and haunted our half-back line for a couple of games. <laughs> they also had Tom Roach, who uh, played an entire 11 games, the son of Michael Roach, mm. who was... Uh, the... Yeah. Travis Tuck brothers. Travis Tuck for Hawthorne, played 20 games. Shane. Darcy Danaher at Essendon, six oh, yes. games. Oh, yeah. Who the hell is this? There's a bit of a theme where you have to put up with a couple of, um, shall we say, less than spectacular older brothers until you get down to the um, the good one, like Joe Cameron, Danaher. Cameron um, and Jason Cloak. The Cloaks, yeah. Um, one in three, apparently, will make it. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh. the inanimate carbon rods of the Cloak yeah. tree. <laughs> uh, Jared Malloy, the only player taken by Fitzroy. Uh, as well, ended there up at, ended up at Collingwood, I think, in the end. Uh, Brisbane and then yeah. Collingwood, Collingwood, yeah. Fitzroy, Fitzroy, Brizzy took him when they were cruelly merged, and then Collingwood. Yep. The Bowden, uh, Bowden, Joel Bowden, 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 so, <laughs> Bowden, yeah. Bowden, Bowden, whatever you Bowden, like. Bowden, you say tomato, potato, tomato. I say potato. Let's uh, call the whole thing off. Yes. Uh, <laughs> If only we put that to music. <laughs> in, 19, in, 1990, in 1999, Shane Morrison, the son of Peter Morrison of Brisbane, was drafted, and they they don't know how many games Peter Morrison played. Apparently, um, the thing I, I'm interested now with father son is the absolute rank um, 
rorting of the draft that goes on. I mean, what Melbourne and Gold Coast and GWS did last year with the whole Jack Viney thing, um, you know. It's not right. It was not right. They, there was, there some... was something going on there. I don't know what it was, but something didn't smell right about that whole little arrangement, did it? Yes, it, you're absolutely you're right. right. It was, it was yeah, very sus. And now, you know, after North, obviously, you know, you may have heard on the internet, there's a bloke called Luke McDonald that who is playing for Werribee. But um, you, you have North people now wondering whether he's worth it. Because if we finish 15th or whatever, we get pick five. And is he rated? You know, some people only rate him pick seven. So should we tank in order to finish low enough whereby then we can get him with our second round pick because no one will want to bid on him and hang on are all... you saying are you saying that you're not tanking now <laughs> <laughs> you're doing, uh, that, you're doing uh, that deliberately uh, wow. uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> what's your safe word what's your safe word <laughs> no but i'm trying Richie, to make Richie. a serious point and you guys, you know, just can't bloody grow up and have a decent conversation about footy. Um, oh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> no, but uh, it gets back to my original point. Has there been a rule that has changed iteration as many times as the father-son one? And, and my second point, I think, is, is there an, any other competition in the world that has this rule? Um, you know, when, when friends of mine from overseas and, you know, follow other codes... Um, hear about this, they're like, that's kind of cool, but weird, you know? We're going to move straight into uh, what we uh, look forward to on the weekend, and uh, perhaps we'll start with, um, let's see, ODN, what are you looking forward to on the weekend? Oh, Friday night footy. Uh, Bombers and Hawks, uh, one and two on the ladder. Um, genuine hatred between the teams, and... Uh, and the supporter base is on big footy too, apparently. And um, it's uh, it's, uh, it's 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 going to be a great game. It, it, um, the, the pick of the games, obviously, uh, all weekend. N- nothing else aside from what happens to Carlton and whether we can uh, get that Gold Coast monkey off our back from last year um, really appeals to me. So uh, yeah, Friday night, be playing it there, be great. No worries. And uh, well, Messenger, you'll just be glad that Carlton aren't playing on a Friday night. I'll be very glad because I'm sick of watching them, frankly. They're dreadful. But anyway. I think you guys are playing the next four or five, four out of five weeks on Friday night. Well, it's, it'll be it'll be a real pleasure for the whole league. Now, this, this round is bookended. Two games bookend, decent games bookend this round. Essendon and Hawthorne on Friday night. And Sydney versus Richmond, which is the twilight game on Sunday. Richmond have got past one hurdle. They've beaten the Dockers. Leg two is the uh, of the trifecta is Sydney, and then the following week they play Hawthorne. So this is a really big test leading up to the finals for the Tigers. But the six, the seven games in between, they are absolutely dreadful. Uh, prosecutor, what are you looking forward to this weekend, Mark? I'm looking forward to playing our top of table clash. That's after the bye. Um, it's been a long time between drinks, and this is the first time since 2003. I think that Essence had 13 wins in the season, and it's just long overdue, and I'm looking forward to it. Don't think we win, but it's just good to be a part of it for once. To I be actually honest. think you guys are a massive chance. I, I reckon it's going to be it's a line ball game. Line um, game. I'll just put it to you guys. So, does it feel like that uh, this game doesn't have that vibe that top of the table clashes in recent years have had? Uh, I'm not sure. Obviously, 
people say the Asada scandal. Well, we know Hawthorne's going to get the points anyway, so whatever. Uh, I, I'm, uh, not, I'm not in the least bit confident about this one. I, uh, I think win or lose, you're going to get the points. Look, look, I think because Essendon... <laughs> well, there goes the Essendon, so we're down to 15 eighteenths of the league now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think Essendon are a top-two team as such. I think I'd, you've seen, you've think seen Geelong fall, you've seen Geelong and, and Sydney fall over a little bit in a couple of games. They're probably still above them. So whereas they, they might be a top-four side, um, um, they're, they're, I know where they are on the ladder, but... Um, but you know, it's it's not so much. You know, they've they've probably been a little bit patchier in some games and just got on the, over the line. Oh, um, yeah, power some... rankings, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, look out! Uh, look out, Rob, Robbie, Robbie. Robbie <laughs> All right. To be honest, though, when I think of it, though, I sometimes I wonder if I'd rather play Port Adelaide just to get that first finals win, and then because our time's going to be from next year onwards, so. I agree that we're not really the second best team in it, but it just lacks that vibe. But I'm just excited to be in it nonetheless. Take well, your big, it? take your big syringe to the game, and you'll have a great time. Ooh. Oh, we'll get the beach volleyball going. Except it'll be a syringe. I think someone had that idea though. But big inflatable <laughs> syringe. <laughs> to be honest, if this wasn't my club, I would be absolutely loving that, and I'll probably be the first one to be blowing them up. But you know, it, you know, I'm secretly laughing at some of the ideas. As in, you know, if there were. If it was any other team, I'd be laughing and be patting on the back, saying, "Well done, uh, Chief." <laughs> what are your <laughs> what are you, What are you looking forward to this weekend? Football, or as usual, otherwise? Who me? Yes, Chief. Who else would well, I describe weekend, as otherwise? This weekend, <laughs> I am looking forward to. On uh, sorry, I didn't hear you say my name. I was just. Uh, I am looking forward to um, going up to the beach up at Noosa and um, <laughs> camping on the beach all weekend. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Friday, Friday midday, I'm hit, I'll be hitting the Gateway Bridge up to Noosa, um, up to Tawantan, across on the uh, ferry, 30 k's up um, lovely Queensland beach coast, and about 10 blokes, beer, grog, poker, all that sort of stuff. Full driving over the uh, sand dunes, tearing up our lovely natural resources with my aggressive cheese cutter tyres on my four-wheel drive. Um, looking forward to that. It's not terribly oh, football-related. Is there football on? <laughs> yeah, do you take the uh, big footy servers with you and perhaps run them off a car battery for the weekend? <laughs> yeah. yes. is, is that why it always crashes when North Melbourne loses? Well, whoever's losing at poker has to get on the uh, get on the treadmill and, and get, you know. <laughs> I feel less bad about the stuff we said about you earlier in the podcast. Yeah. What? You're sack. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, time to wrap this up. Um, it's been another good podcast thank you very much to everyone who came on uh, thank you to Jamie Johnson who is not here he left some time ago um, his planet needed him and uh, Chief thanks for coming on late no worries and Messenger thank you for being here the whole time my pleasure 99 and ODN thank you for being here today and tomorrow been a lot of fun and Prosecutor, thanks for coming in, mate, and suffering the slings and arrows of Messenger. It is always a pleasure. Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and Wookie, thanks for, thanks for organising these podcasts all these weeks. I mean, it's, uh, it's a real labour of love, and you really get into it. So 
Good on Finally you. Finally, some recognition. You're the wind beneath my wings. It's actually been great to see all the other cars that have been coming up after we started doing the Carlton one. Bandwagons. Uh, yeah, it's good fun. Just, I think Essendon's one's out now, and uh, uh, prosecutors doing really well with that apparently. And the Eagles, so I say. Yeah, according to him. <laughs> and, uh, we don't listen to it. So, but, uh, yeah, the Pines, does the Essendon one have the Twilight Zone music? Uh, is it an opening? Oh, oh, might be the next edition. Now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's good night from me, guys, and uh, we'll see you all on the forums. Hashtag Buddy Thirteen.